I am afraid that I have much news, and most of it is terrible. Welcome to The Mind Killer, the rationalist brain on politics. As always, I'm Wesley Fenza. I'm Inyash Brodsky. And I'm David. All right, it's our two-year anniversary today. Woo! So, happy anniversary, everybody. This is episode 52 uh, which, since we release uh, every two weeks, that means this is two years. So, good nice. job, everybody. Doesn't feel like it's been two years. Right? Time flies. Yeah, I mean, I remember that we started this podcast immediately after COVID started, so... Yeah, that was yeah, two years ago. that makes sense. I can't remember, were we in the planning stages before COVID, or... Uh, I mean, we must have been. Was this just like a, a crash thing that we came up with when we were all locked inside and bored because the pandemic started for rationalists a good two weeks before it started for everyone else? Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was before the official lockdown, but it was definitely like COVID was a thing. I think Wesley has been planning this for at least a few weeks before, right? Well, the having so the Mind Killer podcast. I I don't. I, so I remember I brought it up as almost a joke because uh, somebody was joking about how uh, white people start podcasts because they can't go out, <laughs> and I was like, "Let's be those people. <laughs> We're white people. We are." This and is... then everyone was like, "That's a great idea. You should do that." I mean, you guys were. I don't know if everyone else was. Correction, I'm Jewish, so I'm only white when it's politically convenient to the left. Yeah, but that's like all the time now. <laughs> mm, no, 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 no. But sometimes it's uh, not. Yeah, no. So like if I did a mass shooting, then I'd be white. If I was killed by a police officer, then I'd be brown. Yeah, that's fair. Roxy, you've got that power too. Ooh. Yeah, she's officially Jewish. Aha. Um, all right. So happy anniversary, everybody. Now we're going to go on to our normal uh, follow-ups. We've got our first follow-up is on the crazy Texas law story. Uh, when last we left it, the uh, it was the Attorney General Ken Paxton had put out some kind of memo saying that giving your kids uh, gender-affirming surgery or hormones or anything is child abuse and should be investigated. Investigated by Child Fucking Protective Services, yeah, no less. The worst. Yeah. Thing to be invested investigated by. I've had some of those cases. Oh my god, they're horrible. Mm. Um, it's just and there's no there's no good way out of it. So getting them involved in anything is like to be avoided at all costs. Mm. Um, so now we've had a couple of lawsuits and a couple of court rulings that have not gone uh, Attorney General Paxton's way. Um, there was a legal challenge. They issued a temporary restraining order. And this is kind of confusing, the procedural posture here. Um, so I'll just go over real quick how it works. Is when you file a lawsuit against something, you know, you don't have trial for like six months to a year. And there's the question of like, okay, well, what do we do in the meantime? And so what you, you ask for is a temporary injunction or a preliminary injunction. Um, and that says, okay, we'll suspend the law until trial um and then before that because you have to have a hearing to issue a preliminary injunction and sometimes there's not time to even get ready for a hearing they can issue a temporary restraining order which is and i think we talked about this in some other context before but the temporary restraining order oh yeah it was those um those medical workers that got ordered to go back to work 
Oh yeah, they got yeah. a they, they got a temporary restraining order against them, which is what you get when you don't even hear the other side. You just submit an affidavit. The court says, "Okay, temporary restraining order," uh, and we'll set a hearing like in a week or two. And that just governs the time between you know now and the hearing. So it's like very short term. So what's been issued in this case is a temporary restraining order. Then the attorney general appealed the temporary restraining order, which you can't do. Hmm. The appeals court said you can't appeal these and sent it back to the, the lower court. The lower court then held the hearing, issued the preliminary injunction, and now Paxton's appealing that. Um, and does he do that? Yes, those you can appeal. Okay. Because those are, you know, actually have consequences yeah. be outside of like a week and a half span. The reason you can't appeal a TRO is because usually by the time you, the court can even rule on it, the hearing's already happened, which is almost what happened here. I think the appeals court issued their opinion like three days before the hearing. So the appeals court did uphold the um, the restraining order then. Not the restraining order, but the injunction? They No, they upheld the restraining order. The restraining order, okay. But but on but it was ba- it was on um, jurisdictional grounds. Oh, is so when I first heard this, I was like really heartened about this. I was like, thank God someone is stopping this crazy motherfucker. But it sounds like it's entirely just a technicality thing. Well, the and, the lower court stopped it, and they decided oh, it. They they issued the TRO and they issued the preliminary injunction. Okay. Um. So they believe obviously it's going to cause irreparable harm. Um. But they believe there's a likelihood of success on the merits, and that public policy favors the injunction. Okay. Um, so that's just, but it's not as, it's not as, uh, as good news as if the appeals court said so. That's going to be, I think, a uh, much bigger deal. All right. Yeah. Um, so this Paxton motherfucker is <laughs> reminding me of that, uh, quote supposedly from Napoleon, but probably not actually from Napoleon about how, uh, having a, uh, energetic and competent subordinate is the best thing, uh, for a commander. Uh, having an, uh, a lazy and incompetent subordinate <laughs> is, um, is not that big a deal because you can just shove them into a make work job, uh, and they won't cause any trouble. Having a lazy and competent subordinate is good because you can have them do, like, administrative stuff. But if you have a uh, energetic and incompetent subordinate, that's the worst <laughs> because yeah. they'll keep trying to do things. Yeah, that's definitely Paxton. The my favorite part of the story is that immediately after the preliminary injunction was issued, Paxton goes on social media and says, um, "We're appealing this, and don't worry, the injunction's frozen, and these investigations are going to continue." Um, guys, the injunction is not frozen. <laughs> All right, you can apply for something uh, called a stay of injunction, but as far as I can tell, Paxton didn't do that. What if he continues the investigation? Is he in contempt of court or something? Yes, I mean he's in, he's violating a court order. Whether the court wants to hear him and hold him in contempt is up to them. Ooh. Courts are wildly inconsistent about that sort of thing, so I wouldn't hold your breath. Well, it is Texas. Texas, Texas seems like a holding people in contempt sort of place. It does, doesn't it? Oh, that's true. I hope they do then. I mean, assuming he is in fact going forward with this anyway. Yeah, I mean, it I sounds think, like he wants to, but who knows if he actually is? I think contempt of court should be done a lot more yeah. um just because oh it as an attorney it really bothers me when people just don't follow court orders because those are hard to get man you gotta do yeah. a lot of work and people pay you a lot of money to go get those court orders and then they just ignore them and the court doesn't do anything and i'm like well what the fuck was the point then yeah uh 
Makes me so mad. Uh, the point was giving you more billable hours. Oh, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> I decided I don't care. So, so it's, yeah. So the, the lower court has uh, done the right thing here and been like, no, this is crazy. You can't do this. The appeals court has sent it back on a technicality, but they will be hearing it on the merits soon i say on the merits it's not really on the merits because that won't happen till after a trial but it's more on the merits than it was last time every time i hear just child protective services invoked my stomach clenches and it's god i'm so terrified for these p- parents it should child protective yeah. services is like they have a high bar for like what they can what they can really do to you um but once they do it's impossible to get them off your case ever Like, I've represented people who have got their kids taken by Child Protective Services, and it's like they have all these arbitrary hoops to jump through to get them back. And it's stuff they could never take them for in the first place, but once they have them, then it's like, okay, well, now the burden shifts to you Mm -hmm. to tell us why we should give your kid back. Well, yes, because obviously no one wants to be the asshole who wrongfully took someone's kid from them. So once they've taken your kid from them, they have no incentive to ever admit a mistake. Well, it's not necessarily... They wouldn't even have to admit a mistake. It's like, get your act together and we'll give you your kid back. But it's... Getting your act together is, like, impossible to prove. And requires all kinds of, like, you know, people with licenses to say so. Ugh. Yeah, it's a big mess. People with licenses. So do not get your kids (laughs) taken by CPS. Whatever you have to do, you know, within the confines of the law. And always call a lawyer. Yeah. But not me. I don't like those cases. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next story. How, how'd you get stuck with them if you don't like them so much? Oh, I didn't always work for myself. Oh, okay. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I have clients that I like that get into trouble. And I'm like, well, yeah. for you. Yeah. All right. Next story. Uh, we're following up on Jesse Smollett. <laughs> um, he was sentenced, apparently. Eniash, you want to tell us about it? Sure, yeah. He was sentenced to 30 months for faking a hoax crime. Uh, He still stands by his I didn't do a thing. But uh, the 30 months are all probation. Well, not all probation. It's 30 months commuted to probation except for 150 days that he does have to stand in jail. Because this thing cost a lot of money and it's it's, it's bad in general. Yeah, it's like five months in jail. That seems pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, He also has to pay $120,000 in restitution plus a $25,000 fine on top of that. Man, the justice system is uh, bat, bat, has a pretty good batting average recently. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm feeling decent about it. Yeah. It seems to be the only part of the government that's semi-functional. Uh, he, um, the main reason we're covering this is because, you know, we talked about it in the past, but also because as he left court, one of the last things he said was, I am not suicidal, and if anything happens to me when I go in there, I did not do it to myself. <laughs> because... Apparently, he wants people to think that he is uh, being set up for a murder due to I don't even know why. Like, why would anyone well, want to murder him? Because this whole thing was a setup, and eventually he'll be able to prove that. Uh-huh. No, he's obviously going to smash himself in the face with a toilet seat and claim it was neo-Nazis. This guy has an M.O. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that would be a fantastic troll. If he was like, I'm going to kill myself in there and then did this. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, so yeah. I don't think that's it. Oh, Jussie. No one's coming for you, Jussie. No one cares about you. (laughs) All right. And our next follow-up is, uh, we'll just call this Wes was right and Inyash was wrong. Mm, Well. Inyash's mom was wrong. Well, 
Wrong is a a a harsh term for it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to go with miseducated instead for reasons right. that I will get into. Right, Inesh, what were you miseducated about? No, I know my, it was my mom that was miseducated. But anyway, so she miseducated yeah. you about it. Okay, well, I guess it was a whole cycle that was perpetuated by the man, cycle and I actually do mean that literally in this case. All yes. right, well, tell us over, tell the people what we're talking about. All right, we're talking about whether Kiev is pronounced Kiev or Kiev, and uh, I, after doing some more research on this whole thing, according to the Ukrainian Foreign Ministry, uh, or no, the Ukrainian Ministry of Foreign Affairs, sorry, I don't know if there's two different things, uh, it should be pronounced Kiev, that is the traditional Ukrainian language pronunciation of the place, and that uh, Kiev was the Sovietization of it, kind of like how we say Paris instead of Paris, or, um, you know, Mexico instead of Mexico, uh, and the reason i mean my mom when i asked her she was born in yugoslavia uh she i I, sorry ukraine she was born in ukraine my dad was uh anyways she was born in ukraine uh (laughs) she speaks ukrainian fluently and uh she was really surprised by this uh but it turns out that the soviet union was occupying ukraine for uh many years before she was born and during the entire time she was educated and lived in ukraine and uh Mm. she went through you know the communist schools that said this is the proper pronunciation and basically a lot of people of her generation uh just go with kiev that's what they were always taught how they always said it um and it uh i don't know probably technically not correct i'm remembered of when uh, bombay changed to mumbai and older people interviewed in india were like what the fuck man it's it's bombay it's always been bombay but uh no there's you know enough of a nativist push to say you know what we want to go back to to what this was originally that uh that they have got that and you know i i don't know what is the right or wrong thing but if this is what the ukrainian government is going with and what most of the people support then i guess we go with that like my mom hasn't been in ukraine aside from visiting family for a week or two at a time in what four decades now so she is i suppose out of touch of whatever the political movement on the ground is there that's how Mm. they do it man it's always the schools i know it's how you it's how you convert the populace Another reason we should not have compulsory schooling ever. And if we do have compulsory schooling, it should be backpack funded. Yeah. We should uh, we should really get that meme going that, you know, compulsory schooling is a tool of empire or something. I mean, it literally is, but well, that's is. also why the government loves it. Yes. <laughs> but why do the people love it? That's the question. Uh, they because they were schooled. The people love being ruled by totalitarians. If only it wasn't have true. Have you not have you not read Scott Alexander's review of Sadly Porn? <laughs> God. <laughs> that is um that was quite a review. Yeah. It was quite a book if uh the review is anything to judge by. Yeah. Alright. End of the new news. Uh since we were just no, talking that's about the it. old news. So into the new news. That's what I just said. You said end of the new news. No, that's not what I said. And it's it's recorded, so you can listen to it later. Very well. All right. Um, since we were just talking about it, we'll go to Ukraine. Uh, the good news is Kiev is still uh, still standing, still independent, has not been taken over yet. At least as of this recording. Yeah. So we're, uh, yeah, no, we should always give the date. We're recording on Pi Day. So happy Pi Day, everyone, Ooh. Uh, which is March 14th. So uh, anything that happened after uh, 3 p.m. on March 14th, we don't know about. But so Easter far, <laughs> Kiev is still there. Uh, Zelensky's still in charge, and they seem to be holding off the Russian forces. Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, Eniash, did you put this link in here about the EA groups? Yes, I did. All right, what's going on there? 
Oh, uh, they're the on the EA forums, someone attempted a rough uh, estimation to profile various charities which support Ukrainian war relief. Uh, I know that we are, you know, associated somewhat with the uh, EA group due to being in the rational sphere, and we have some trust in their ability to analyze charity groups, uh, certainly more than I trust myself to do it. So uh, if you would like to have some analysis of charity groups, if you want to give to th- that area, cause area, then uh, there's a link. All right, and we'll put that in the show notes. So click there if you want to help out Ukraine. Um, so Francis Fukuyama made a prediction recently that Russia is going to lose the war, uh, which is cool. Um, David, who is Francis Fukuyama? Uh, Francis Fukuyama is the political philosopher slash political scientist who wrote, um, I think it was called The End of History and the Last Man. Um, which was basically talking about how the, uh, post-Cold War American order was going to be, like, uh, um, an irrevocable permanent state of affairs. Um, and a lot of people have been crowing that, uh, looks like he called that one a bit early. Um... Though, of course, uh, as Scott Alexander pointed out, uh, history won't have really restarted until we can do historical-type things like invading other countries in war of aggression without people crowing about how, I guess, you called it wrong after all, Frank, on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So his end of history was, uh, by history, was he talking about, you know, wars of conquest? Uh, Yeah, just like basically interesting things happening um so like major political upheavals civil wars wars of conquest uh especially in developed countries like he uh was perfectly comfortable with them happening in like africa and the middle east and so on does russia really count as a developed country i guess so it did for a while guess it depends how bad the next couple decades are going to be on them all right well hopefully he's right about that Yes, and I was right about the name of the book. It's the end of history yes. and the last man. Okay. Um, also, censorship is going on um, in a lot of places, uh, including the United States, which is pretty fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just canceling random Russians for no reason. We should stop doing that. Yep. Uh, I love how uh, the American education system is so wonderful that the takeaway people got from having uh, horror stories about Japanese internment shoved down their throats is don't um, don't uh, discriminate against Japanese people when we're at war with Japan and not <laughs> for any X don't discriminate against people from X when we're at war with X. Yeah. And we're not even at war with Russia yet. Yeah. So the uh, the funniest one is, of course, the cat. The Russian cat that was banned from the cat competition. It was an entire breed of Russian cats. Is the whole breed? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, heard, uh, I've heard people aren't using Russian dressing anymore. There was, yeah, Russian mustard that was taken out of a restaurant. Yeah, it's liberty dressing now. <laughs> uh, yes, freedom fries are back. I I remember how ridiculous it was when you learned in history school that like people wouldn't call them hamburgers anymore when we fought uh, the Germans. Oh my god! Because that was a German name. And yet, still happening. It's still fucking happening to this day. Uh, this is insane. Tchaikovsky's canceled apparently. Yep, 
this, uh, a lot of uh, orchestras or symphonies. I don't know what they're called. What are the the, the collection of instruments themselves called? They're orchestras. Okay, a lot of them just won't play uh, Tchaikovsky now. They canceled. It's also ballet companies that do a lot of Tchaikovsky. It's but, you, know, you know, usually it's just the Nutcracker, so it's uh, not in season right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, although the specifically the ballet company was also like a Russian ballet company that was performing Tchaikovsky. I just I don't. I guess this was always the end game, trying to use cancellation as a, a weapon of war, I guess. Like, how does this hurt Russia at all to have Russian breeds not allowed to compete? Like, this this hurts Americans who own those cats. Obviously, yeah. it, doesn't it doesn't at all. This is virtue signaling. <laughs> oh, my God. People are insane. Speaking of, speaking of people being sane, being insane, meanwhile, Facebook has decided that uh, they're, they're modifying their no-violence policy to make an exception for Russia and Russians. Uh, so that's fun. Did I read somewhere that um, they're allowed to, like, call for specifically violence against, like, Russian soldiers that are in Ukraine rather than just all Russians? Um so- Here's the quote. As a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have temporarily made allowances for forms of political expression that would normally violate our rules, like violent, uh, violent speech such as death to the Russian invaders. We still won't allow credible calls for violence against Russian civilians. Okay. So, I mean, that's that seems a little more reasonable when there's an, an actual war going on to call for the death of the people invading you. But, I mean, I, it's stupid that they have these rules in the first place. Let people say what they want. I, well, yeah, sure, I agree. But if you're going to make an exception, this one sounds like the most reasonable one. I don't, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to have those rules, they should be consistent. Um, not just like, oh, you can you can hate on Russians now because we hate them. Well, you can consistently say something like, uh, no calling for violence against you know civilians, people in general, but you can call for violence in acts of war against you know the the war target that seems entirely reasonable that, no that seems reasonable but that's not the policy it sounds like they just said you can say death to russian invaders yeah, but... only russians there are other conflicts oh. going on in the world yeah it's that's a good point but it's only russians you're allowed to say this about apparently now not that not that facebook ever really consistently applies their rules so who who knows what they're actually doing but by the letter of the rules uh russians are the only ones you're allowed to express violence against that is kind of bizarre yeah. Um, if, and like, if they, you couldn't say death to the terrorists or right. something. If they had a reasonable rule in place before that you're allowed to express, you know, call for violence against occupying armies, that they wouldn't have had to change their policy. Yeah. That just would have been the policy. And they yeah. just could have made an announcement to be like, hey, Russia qualifies as an occupying army, by the way. So fits into that exception. But uh, no, they actually, like, modified the rules. Um, but, you know, I don't want to beat up on Facebook too much because... Um, one of the things that I noticed was happening is that Russia banned Facebook, uh, which I thought was significant because Facebook does get shit on a lot as like, you know, promoting uh, misinformation and allowing extremist groups to to uh, meet up and communicate with each other and enabling all co- sorts of horrible shit. But, you know, actual authoritarian regimes hate it. And... Yeah can't wait to to get it out of their country um so to me that says facebook is actually you know a force working against these authoritarian regimes so we shouldn't shit on them too badly yeah china hated it too yep 
You know, speaking of pe- things getting pulled out of Russia, like McDonald's, Coca-Cola, a lot of private companies are just leaving, just canceling Russia altogether. And I mean, on the one hand, that makes sense because they can't really do business in there anyway. How are they going to get their profits out of Russia when everything in there is frozen? So yeah. probably just virtue signaling on their point, but it also feels, I don't know, it feels weird. Yeah, I mean, I think the actual sanctions that have been put in place seem pretty well targeted. Um, obviously, they're going to catch stuff that they shouldn't, but that's that's the nature of things. Um, but the private companies, what they're doing is, you know, they, they could do what they want, obviously. Um, not saying they shouldn't be able to, but it seems like mostly virtue signaling to me. No. So m- my question is whether, like, the the MO for these companies is something that goes through swift because what i i've thought about this a bit and what i think may have happened is you get an international company like mcdonald's they need to go through swift to just like get rubles for their russian branches to operate they can't so now they can't make payroll they have to close anyway uh and then they just like decide that because they have to do it anyway for reasons unrelated to them and that they have no control over they make this big show about how they're canceling mcdonald's in russia uh because russia is bad yeah that seems to be what's happening i bet they also kind of don't want to be stuck on the you know ford made cars for the nazis or whatever was it ford was it jam i don't even remember who it was i think it was ford uh, it was BMW, you know, the German well, car company. Well. <laughs> Obviously, they did, but there are, like, various American companies that still to this day people are like, did you know that they made engines for the Nazis or whatever? I don't think anyone's really going to get a McDonald's case to be like, you know, they made hamburgers for the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really, like, helping out with the war effort. They, they're feeding the Russian troops. <sighs> yeah, that, would, that can only help us if the Russian troops are getting fed by McDonald's. <laughs> Give them more French fries. Put more salt on them. Um, Russia is also pretty much banned all other dissent. Um, you're not allowed to call the war a war. It's I forget what they're calling it. Some kind of special action or something. And they're just wholesale arresting protesters. Did you see that video that was just recently posted about the... Uh, I saw several videos. Well, the one with the, uh, so the, the protester that had a sign asking, how long do you think it'll be arrested until I'll be arrested for holding the sign that said no war on it? And yeah. as they were filming, three Russian cops came up and arrested her. Yep. And then a, a second protester near her started saying, like, pro-Kremlin stuff. Like, you know, in support of the Kremlin. Yeah. And the Russian cops came back and just grabbed her and arrested her, too. Simply yep. because she was talking on camera and had been near that lady. I also saw a video of someone getting arrested for holding a blank sign. <laughs> what the it was fuck? just a piece of poster board that didn't say anything. Just, yeah, just don't don't try to have any speech acts in Russia right now. Yeah. Um, so that's how things are going in Russia. Uh, meanwhile, in the European Union, they are sanctioning Russia Today and Sputnik, which are, I think, both Russian-owned media. Uh, but they're basically, like, trying to scrub them from the internet, requiring search engines to delist them, and requiring social media to delete their content. Uh, which, uh, I'm don't, I, I'm not in favor of that. I don't think they should do that. No. Uh, I think if, you know, Russia wants to put out their propaganda, let them. Yeah. Like, I, you, you guys hear about the chadliness of fucking Elon Musk. I mean, I, I saw he's been shitposting this whole time. Challenging Putin to single combat? 
No, although that that's also pretty cool. No, but I mean, uh, re- so the Russians tried to take down Ukraine's uh, internet infrastructure, and uh, Ukraine said, "Hey, can we get some Starlink over here?" And Elon Musk was like, "Fucking on it, bros!" And within yeah, a few days, tons. That? Yeah, we covered that last episode. Yes. But uh, then he was asked uh, by a number of people, although he said, notably, not the Ukrainian government themselves, to censor uh, Russian sources from Facebook uh, or from Starlink. And he said, no, everything gets through. And uh, I, I, I don't believe in censorship of any kind. And someone pointed out like, hey, that's Russian misinformation and propaganda you're letting through. And he replied, all news is propaganda of some form or another. It's just a matter of degree. And just fucking, you know. I right. love that he just said, like, said, you know, no, that all gets through. Even though I am supporting Ukraine against Russia, I'm not stopping anyone. Yeah, that's pretty Chadley. God, he's awesome. <laughs> all right. Good job, Elon. <laughs> yep. I'll forgive you for lying about the uh, self-driving cars. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I was just so excited. Just couldn't hide it. <laughs> um, no, I think that was uh, that was the whole story. The EU no. is uh, being censorious, like, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like you'd they expect. love to be. God, what is it with Europeans and loving censorship? So they're not American. That's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. We uh, could fix that, right? I mean, yeah, we could make that. <laughs> we could bring them freedom and make the world safe for democracy. I think we would have had to do that before the end of history. Mm, damn it, we were too, too late. late. Yeah. Um, Zelensky, meanwhile, keeps asking the U.S. and the rest of NATO to establish a no-fly zone. Which uh, is a fun euphemism for uh, come in with fighter jets and shoot down all the Russian planes. Not just that. You'd also have to take out any of their uh, ground assets that are threats to American planes. Yep. Um, so we're not going to do that. No. Uh, which and people uh, are still calling for it because they're fucking insane. Well, they, yeah, they have no idea. Um, and Zvi had a great quote about this that I'll just read. He says, I'm worried that a lot of the people who are supporting a no-flying zone are consciously or otherwise supporting it because they no longer think there is a future. That they think about the literal end of the world and kind of shrug because we've instilled in them that mindset through a combination of lack of opportunity and relentless rhetoric. If you literally think that there will be literally, that we will literally all die of climate change or that you never have the chance to raise a family, then a lot of things change. Which is like, man, I hope that's not it. I, uh... My my default assumption is people just don't know what they're talking about and don't understand that I know that, that there are like certain conventions in international conflicts that uh, especially between nuclear powers that are like, OK, well, this is war and this isn't. And they're sometimes arbitrary and they're weird and they don't make a ton of sense, but they're there. And the U.S. is trying really hard not to step over any of those lines. Um, and that. Definitely shooting down Russian planes would be well over one of those lines. Yes. We would be at war with Russia. And that that would be bad. We don't want that. Yep. Do you think people are... I don't think people are really that that cynical, that wanting the world to end. It's yeah. not them wanting the world to end. It's just like, like fuck it. If it's going to end anyway, then we might as well uh, do all the virtue signaling we can while we can. There's also, you also do have to consider the environmentalists. Do we? Again? I mean, they are big fans of everyone dying. Yeah. Probably not in nuclear war, though, because then everyone would die in a way that also wrecks the environment, which would defeat the purpose. Well, the environment would come back eventually. Uh, But yes, I'm sure they'd prefer not nuclear war. 
Yeah, I'm not sure that's an argument environmentalists would buy, because obviously they're not much of ones for long-term thinking. <laughs> All right. Well, yes, then hopefully Zvi's conjecture is not, not what's going on. Um, and mostly it's just people that don't they think we can just do that and not cause any consequences. Um, meanwhile, Russia's playing brinksmanship games, telling us that uh, our sending weapons is an act of war. Which is, um, you know, has for a long time been on the other side of that sort of arbitrarily drawn line. I'm not sure. Was there actual words sending weapons as an act of war? Because I think what they said was we will uh, consider convoys of weapons legit military targets, which I think is different from calling it an act of war. Well, actually, so what he's called the act of war are the sanctions. (laughs) Oh, that. Okay. Wait, I thought that was a U.S. thing that people were saying. No, Putin has said that, like, these, like, massive sanctions that we've put on Russia are an act of war. He hasn't done anything about it, but that's what he said. Well, shit. Um, but, I, you know, so far it's just been bluster. Yeah. Uh, that is definitely on the, like, not-at-war side of the historic lines. Um, these lines are just, you know, by convention, though. At any time, Putin could decide, like, oh, well... I, I don't recognize that line, and you're attacking us, so I'm going to attack you back. Uh, but so far, he hasn't, and I don't think he will, unless he's super desperate and just wants to end the world, which I hope he doesn't get to that point. Uh-huh. Yeah, that would be bad. I don't have much trust in him not getting to that point, but I do think other people would step in first. Yeah, I, uh, my, my understanding is that there's enough people uh, between... Putin saying launch the missiles and the missiles getting airborne that probably one of them's going to decide that they'd rather um, take their chances on a palace coup than continue uh, sending things down the chain and Putin gets a 30 caliber brain hemorrhage. Yeah, we'll see. China so far still very neutral, standoffish, not doing very much. I heard someone opine that uh, if China does start sending weapons and aid to Russia, then this will be the first uh, proxy war between the U.S. and China. And interestingly, it'll have Russia as the second party in it, which is a sign of Russia's decline, if that is the case. Will this really be the first one? (laughs) That surprises me. In Soviet Russia, great power competitors use you as proxy. (laughs) Womp womp. Oh, dear. Uh, speaking of the weird dividing line about what's war and what isn't, uh, Poland has a bunch of planes that they want to donate to Ukraine, but mm. they can't get the planes to Ukraine because all the NATO allies have decided that flying in the planes from NATO bases is not allowed. Yes. Um, but we can, like, we can, like, truck in weapons. That's cool. But if you, lo- if you launch the planes from NATO bases... <sighs> And then land them at Ukrainian bases and, you know, switch pilots. And then all the NATO pilots leave. That's that's still, like, too close to war. Um, so there's all these planes that they can't, but they can't get them to Ukraine. Which sucks. Because yeah. they, they need planes. If I had to guess at what's going on there, it's probably like, okay, well, what if while NATO pilots are flying them in, in NATO, in NATO planes the russians attack them yeah and like they can shoot back and then we'll we have world war three or they cannot and get shot down and we don't trust russia we don't trust russian command to uh not order them shot down and we probably don't even trust russian equipment to be able to distinguish 
Ukrainian from NATO planes, even if uh, Russian command was doing the right thing and not starting World War Three. Yeah, that's fair. And I would I agree that that's probably a big uh, part of it, but yeah. still sucks. It does suck, but I think it's an excess of caution that is worth it in this case. Yeah. Uh, just feel like they should, uh, you know, put them on flatbeds or something. Truck them yeah, in. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like there's a way that you could solve this problem, which doesn't involve NATO pilots flying into Ukraine. Yeah, because yeah, uh, they kind of they kind of need those planes. They really do. Um, although, uh, it's not like uh, Russia's been able to establish air superiority. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from what I hear... Russia is mostly just using artillery because they don't actually have fighter jets and trained pilots that can um, establish air superiority. Well, uh, so that's that's nice. Um, let me see. What else? What else do we have about Ukraine? All right. We got something about the Russian Orthodox Church. Eniash, is this you? Yes, this is me. Thank you. Um, so OC on our Discord found this and posted most of what I'm about to say. Uh, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt because OC is a big troll. I, OC, I mean, sure, he's got some trollish tendencies, but I like him. <laughs> he's a he's a cool dude and contributes well, uh, I think. Uh, but yeah, the the... There is a link that shows this actual uh, thing is happening. So the interpretation is OCs, uh, but the the thing is happening that uh, the Russian Orthodox Church is not acknowledging the invasion at all. Uh, they, they're just kind of looking the other way, uh, as churches have done from time immemorial. Uh, but there is a form of Orthodox fundamentalism called Russian Mir, or the Russian world, as it's translated. Uh, and in response... The Orthodox theologians have declared uh, Russian Mir a false teaching and have openly called the doctrine a heresy. Uh, they are calling for Patriarch Kirill, who is the patriarch, uh, well, I was about to say in Moscow, but I'm not sure he's in Moscow. The Russian patriarch at any rate. At any rate. Um, he's calling. They're calling for him to abandon it. And the OC conjectures that he cannot because he's Putin's man. Uh, and if he will not, then they will call a synod of all the other patriarchs and recognize Kirill as a persistent heretic and the Russian church he leads as fallen, which would lead directly to a schism in the Orthodox church, which is fucking huge. That and, sounds yeah. pretty big. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what exactly would be the fallout of that, but schisms are rarely great things, and uh, this is one to watch. Yeah. It would definitely uh, get us some more points on the history restarting scale if we had not just a war of aggression, but an actual literal old school holy war. Mm. Or even a schism. From from Christians. It (laughs) happens all the time with... uh, Muslims. Let's say yeah. other religions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just going to ask, a Russian Orthodox, that's that's Christian, right? Yes. yes. They All consider right, themselves right. more Christian than the Catholics. They're like, well, no, we're the real. Every sect considers themselves the most Christian. <laughs> well, sure, but like the Catholics and the but, Russian Orthodox are the two that most directly trace their roots directly to the, the you know, Christ. Uh, I think yeah. you're forgetting about the Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Christ as through the yes. Indians, yeah, or Native American, Native Americans, <laughs> the white Native Americans. <laughs> real thing, real thing in Mormonism. So yes, fake thing, but you know, right. you know what I mean. I do. Uh, all right. Any more comments on Ukraine before we move on? No. Nope. All right. Iniashi still with us? I am still here. Okay. No comments on Ukraine. All right. Uh, all right. Next story. Uh, President Biden. Gave a speech. Uh, it was called the State of the Union. That is all I have on that. Anyone got any comments on the State of the Union? 
Uh, yeah, he managed not to gaff his way into World War Three, so he did a good job. Yeah, good job. I've actually you- been kind of impressed with Biden during this whole Ukraine thing. I feel like he's kind of nailing it. Yeah, I mean, he was politically active when the uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis happened, so he's one of the few people in America who has firsthand experience in dealing with insane Russians. So. I, mean, I forget how old he it's is. It's not surprising. He is very old. Literal first-hand experience with Cuban Missile Crisis? How old is he? Uh, I I'm not, I have not fact-checked that, but I'm pretty sure that he was... Uh, actually, you know what? When was Joe 1962. Oh, when was he born? Yeah, Cuban Missile Crisis was in 62. Biden wasn't a senator till 72, but uh-huh. he was 30, so he would have been 20 during the Cuban Missile Crisis. So he, I mean, he at least was there for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It'd been like uh, how uh, olds like us experienced nine eleven. Right. Um, well, not like David though. Yeah, David doesn't count. He's a child. Okay. Yes. Um. But yeah, I think One he's thing- been doing a pretty good job. Uh. You know, putting maximum pressure on Putin while not starting a world war. Yeah. You know, I I didn't actually watch the State of the Union because whatever. But I heard and saw a few clips that this was maybe the first state of the union in many generations that there were boos and shoutbacks from the audience. Yeah. That, that was a thing <laughs> you, that happened. What do you guys think about that? I think the state of the union is stupid and no one should watch it. So I don't care. <laughs> I think the state of the union is also stupid, but I would watch it if this was a bigger thing, it would be more entertaining. I think we should, uh, I think we should return to state of the unions being things that people write and then like publish as text. Uh, yeah, failing that, yeah. Failing that, yes. Having the uh, having the uh, president go to some stand-up comedy nightclub with an open mic <laughs> and deliver the State <laughs> of the Union to a hostile crowd would be much better. Notably, this is not the first time the president has been heckled at the State of the Union. Um, some crazy person yelled at Obama, "You lie!" Oh yeah, <laughs> about something. I forget what. Do you, who was that? Oh, some. Some some crazy representative from the Tea Party caucus. God, <laughs> you guys remember the Tea Party <laughs> vaguely? Look, they just were really concerned about the deficit. Okay, <laughs> it was the deficit and ethics and game journalism. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure what was uh, what was on the Tea Party's mind. Um, but yeah, apparently there was heckling and booing. Whatever. It was also an inconsequential speech. Um, so we're going to move on from it uh, to a story from Eniash about our COVID money. Yeah. So uh, the government has, well, they, they've promised to buy many millions of uh, Paxlovid doses, nine, 10 million doses total uh, from, from Pfizer. Uh, they're the anti-COVID vaccine money or anti-COVID vaccine medication. Uh, but they, the cure for COVID is the what cure it for is. COVID. Okay, yes. Uh, but, you know, they didn't budget all of the money uh, at once. They just said, we're going to buy them. And they are now almost out of COVID re- relief um, money in-, in the budget. So they asked for $30 billion more to make these purchases along with some other things. Uh, later, that was cut to $22 billion, then $15 billion, And now it looks like it's just not passing at all. And there's still 9 million doses that are scheduled to be bought, but there is no money to buy them. Which, first of all, would be really bad if the government reneged on this, because the reason we got the vaccine as fast as we did was due to Operation Warp Speed, which promised to buy 300 million doses Thank you, of President any vaccine Trump. that's made. Thank you, Trump. Yeah, he did one good thing. Credit where credit's due. 
Totally. And apparently, uh, at issue, at least according to the uh, Republicans that are putting up a, a big wall against this, is the lack of transparency. Because uh, there has been more than $4 trillion authorized for COVID-19 relief since the beginning of this COVID thing, and the White House still hasn't publicly declared exactly how it spent that. Um, I don't know what it has declared, if the Republicans are being way too exacting in what they want to see, or if this is really too dark and hushed up and maybe we should know where this money is going but that is at the very least the official talking points from them yeah i mean obviously that's a lie because they don't care about transparency uh but you know we can and transparency would be nice but also it's no reason to not buy the paxlovid maybe hold up other money if they're gonna spend it on other dumb shit that's not paxlovid but paxlovid is like the one thing that we should definitely be spending money on yeah it makes me wonder why they chose this specifically uh probably because it's a thing and they're holding up everything Mm. that is probably yes Uh, that is a very bad thing that they are doing then yeah although they're not holding up everything um actually another law was passed this past two weeks that probably nobody heard about um which bans forced arbitration of sexual harassment lawsuits is this good or bad i'm in favor of it okay i don't like forced arbitration Um, I don't like a lot of employment contracts because generally the way it works is you get hired, you, you know, plant, you you accept the job and then they present you with this contract and offer, you have really no power to negotiate it. It's just, okay, sign this contract or you don't get the job. Um, and people don't read them. Uh, and if they do, they, there's not much they can do about it anyway. And people... You know, unless they're in certain industries or are very in high demand, generally are not going to turn down a job offer because they don't like the terms. Um, so, so this is a law saying that you cannot add those terms into an employment contract. Correct. Okay. Um, you can't. You can't. You can't have people give up their right to file a lawsuit about sexual harassment. I mean, I think that sounds good to me. But also, like, aren't we supposed to be in the libertarian sphere against um, not letting people sign contracts they want to sign? I mean, libertarians are. I'm not. How yeah. Dare you. It, so, in, in theory, this is a. Um, uh, in theory, there would be some sort of compensating differential here, um, where having this law in place would mean generally lower wages. Um, and like, I would probably prefer uh, just letting people make the decision between having more money or having it or retaining the right to sue. Uh, but labor law is sufficiently fucked up in enough ways that I would believe that this is probably just fixing something that needs to be fixed. Um, one of the notable things about this is that it passed the House of Representatives 335 to 97, and it passed the Senate by a voice vote, which I didn't even know what that was. I had to look it up. You don't know what a voice vote is? Well, I didn't know the specifics of it, which is that they don't, there's no record of who voted yes or no. Yeah. They just they just ask and everyone's like yay or nay with their voices. <laughs> I didn't know this was a thing anymore. So we don't even know who voted for it or against it, but apparently it was overwhelming support enough that they could just do it this way. Um and this is more evidence for the existence of secret congress. The Ooh. the which we've discussed before, but is the like the back rooms where congress does shit that the public doesn't care about or doesn't pay attention to. Why is this evidence of secret Congress? Because did, it, did you hear about this? No. No. But Nobody. This did. is not a thing that I probably would have heard about. 
Right, exactly. that's what Secret Congress is. It's all <laughs> the shit the that you wouldn't have heard about. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that go through Congress that I don't hear about. I don't read the daily proceedings of Congress. I, I don't hear exactly. about things that make the news. I don't think there are a lot of things that go through Congress you don't hear about. <laughs> Both Congress does almost nothing. Yeah, and what they do, you don't hear about because it's the secret Congress. Right, because they're grandstanding about other stuff, like COVID-19 relief. I just assumed that, you know, I could have heard about it if I was you know, following the congressional beat. Yeah, you yeah, would. Yeah, that's how Secret Congress works. <laughs> yeah, Secret Congress is the stuff that only the people following the congressional beat hear about. The general well, public not, doesn't. Then it's not Secret Congress. That's Secret Reporters being lazy. No, it's no, security man. through obscurity. Sure, but like if I take a vote in my national, or not my national, in my local HOA as to what we're allowed to put in our windows, you don't call that secret HOA just because, you know, you didn't hear about it. You just weren't interested enough to follow our HOA stuff. Right. Okay. So the secret Congress theory is that anything that becomes high profile enough that people hear about it, Congress can't pass it because it gets too polarized. But if they huh. manage to keep things out of the public site, and get, get people not to pay attention, then they can actually pass laws that are in the public interest because no one's going to give them, them shit about it. Well, yeah, yeah. That, so, like, are you familiar with how you uh, keep people from overhearing your conversation if you're in a fairly small group? Uh, talk quietly? No, you don't whisper because people pay attention to people whispering. You just discuss it in a normal tone of voice and no one pays attention to you because you're they assume you're just uh you, you know, know being a normal boring self. Normal stuff. That's that, not secret. That, no, it yes, it I mean, is secret. Because if you if you <laughs> did if you assumed the role of an actor doing secret stuff, then people would pay attention to you and you would lose the secret. <laughs> Look, Eniash, I feel like yeah. you're getting really hung up on the name. Yeah. Because it implies nefariousness when all it is is just people no, being doesn't. uninterested. No, it's not nefarious at all. It's like the opposite of that. How could you possibly call something a secret Congress and not think that people are going to assume it's nefarious? Because it's such a boring idea that if it didn't have a catchy name, then it would be a low-level anti-meme and no one would hear about it at all. That's exactly the point. <laughs> it is the name, the secret name, that makes it catchy and the name is false. No, it's not. If you just called it, no, we it, did this in public, but nobody false. cared. It's just that secrecy is more boring than people think. Eniash, for you, we'll call it boring Congress. Thank you. That is far more accurate. But that's, Secret Congress is something that's, like that's behind closed doors that no one hears about at all because they, they can't. They did a voice vote. Exactly. That's why it's not a secret. Yeah, I mean, it was behind closed doors and very few people heard about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, we, we like, are this going is, to disagree. All right. But I'm just saying this is not a thing I made up. This is what no, like, no. political reporters call this is secret Congress. I mean, I do think it's bad that once something gets in the public eye, it can never pass. Yeah, because it sucks. that's how yeah, our political system works. But And if the way to get around that is to make things in secret, then I think that is a thing we might have to do. But I just don't think this is a secret. Yeah, it's not a literal secret. It's just... Um, it's trying to keep it as low profile as possible. I, I guess they didn't issue a press release, and that makes it a secret. I'm sure they issued a press release. Before the vote. No, I mean, pe people issue press releases all the time. It's not like it wasn't in any newspapers, but it was on, like, you know, page A14 or something. So you're literally saying they issued a press release, and that's what makes it a secret. Eniash. 
I already yeah. told you. Okay, we we're can, getting we can way call too it something hung up else. on this, and I, 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 I <laughs> everyone's need to bored go with it. I'm shortly done. Okay. after full. Let's let's keep going. We'll then. call Sorry. this part of the episode "Secret Mind Killer." <laughs> <laughs> everyone's gonna skip it if they can figure out yeah. how. All right. Um, next story. Uh, speaking of shit, the government's doing that sucks. Is uh, the Supreme Court has held that the government doesn't have to turn over information on the secret torture sites. That's not good. No. Um, you know, people were doing Freedom of Information Act requests. Uh, it was a decision called United States v. Zabadaya. Um, and it was, it was actually a Guantanamo Bay detainees trying to get information about, you know, shit that happened to them at Guantanamo Bay. And the Supreme Court was like, eh, no, but state secrets. So you can't have any of those documents. Uh, which sucks. It sucks a lot. I'm not surprised. Because, you know, black site, but yeah. we shouldn't have those. Yep. Also, um, non not a partisan decision. The decision was actually written by Stephen Breyer, uh, who is uh, still on the court, apparently. Yeah, um, he, uh, he came out of retirement for one last job. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta preserve those state secrets, you know? Um, but yeah, joined by Roberts Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, which you'll notice is not a majority of the court. It was actually a plurality opinion. Um, so who the hell knows what the next case is going to decide? Because it's not actually a real precedent, which is probably a good thing in this case. Huh. Um, but they still don't get the information. They don't get the information. Uh, because Thomas and Alito filed a separate opinion. In the, in the Supreme Court, they call this uh, concurring in the judgment. Okay. Which means I don't I don't agree with the reasoning, but I agree with the actual result. Okay. Uh, so the result is what you know those six justices agree on the result. So that's what happens. But the there's a plurality opinion of four, a minority opinion of two, and then a dissenting opinion from Kagan. Um, that was joined by Sotomayor. Um, oh no, Gorsuch wrote the dissent. It was joined by Sotomayor. Nice. Yeah. Um, Making him again, uh, showing he actually has a judicial philosophy and principles and stuff. Yeah, the Bud Gorsuch crowd wins again. Yep, uh, don't don't agree with his uh, legal reasoning a lot of the time, but it is actual legal reasoning, which is nice. Which is uh, really really all I'd ask for from a conservative appointee. Hmm. And he's on the right side of this one because it's you know a thing conservatives should should be on the right side of. Right. Government secrets are bad. Conservatives are supposed to know this. I always cons- thought conservatives were part of the wanting more government secrets because they're generally pro-military and military needs a lot of secrets. They are, yes, but they, it's not they very are, conservative. They shouldn't be. Okay. Um, and speaking of things conservatives should be in favor of but aren't, uh, a, a Republican finally put out an actual policy agenda. Um, Rick Scott, the head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, um, put out a, a like policy document that proposed raising taxes on everyone that currently doesn't pay income taxes. So everyone has skin in the game, uh, which is, a, a you know, it raises, raises taxes on 47% of America. Um, and wait, proposed, wait, wait. 47% of America doesn't pay income taxes? Yeah. Don't you remember Mitt Romney complaining about that? I do not remember that. Oh, yeah, man. It was a huge scandal when he was running for president. He had, like, he got filmed in, in some, like, backroom uh, uh, donor meeting. Where he was like, 47% of people are just sucking off the government teat or whatever. Um, now, it's important oh, to know. Oh, does this mean like children and p- yes. p- housewives and stuff? Yes, and retirees. 
So he wants to tax those people? Yes. Yes, he does. Um, That's crazy. It is important to note that these people, a lot of them pay payroll taxes. This is just income taxes he's talking about. Also, he proposed a, a, a law... Which I guess you might, I mean, this sounds like you'd have to pass it by constitutional amendment, but basically, or a a law or a policy that says all federal laws are repealed after five years. So you have to renew them every five years. That would, I am unironically in favor of this. I mean, it would be great. You'd really have to phase into it though. (laughs) No, what, no, what we should do is we should, uh, do like the saga period Icelanders did, where once a year someone has to recite the entire code of law, and <laughs> if they leave something out and no one objects, then it's gone. Uh, do they have to do it from memory? <laughs> yes. Wait, oh, man. what? They had to do it from memory? Yeah, they were called the law speakers. It's really oh, wow. cool. <laughs> I feel like Iceland probably didn't have that many laws. <laughs> I think maybe they 20 didn't. years would be better. Yeah, yeah that's, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, also, anyone actually, who doesn't count payroll taxes as income taxes should be strung up by their eyelids. I, I don't disagree. If you're getting taxed on what you get paid, that's that's your income being taxed. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's very stupid. Repu- yeah. But Republicans love this talking point, um, so they'll never stop doing it. Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell, though, has <laughs> loved this because obviously, like the, the this got out and everyone hated it. So McConnell slapped him down immediately within like a day. He he released a statement. He says, "Let me tell you what will not be. Hold on, let me do my Mitch McConnell voice. Let me tell you what will not be part of our agenda. We will not have as part of our agenda a bill that raises taxes on half the American people and sunsets Social Security and Medicare after five years. That will not be part of the Republican Senate Majority agenda." <laughs> now I'm going good back McConnell. in my shell. <laughs> I, I'm impressed by that impression. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, McConnell was not having it. It was like, oh my god, what are you doing? You can't propose policies. <laughs> this is, our, our entire policy agenda is horribly unpopular. You just can't tell people what it is. Hmm. What are you doing? You're only supposed to talk about culture war stuff. Uh, so don't expect to hear any more policies from the Republicans for the next 10 years. Uh, but, you know, make no mistake. That's uh, kind of what they're about. Um, I actually, with David, I support the, uh, repealing all the laws after five years, um, you know, with a, with a generous transition period. So we don't throw everything into chaos immediately, but yeah, let the States do it. You guys have your laws Let the federal government, uh, have, you know, a few things that they do and make everyone, make sure everyone keeps agreeing with them. And as long as we take repeal the filibuster, you know, it'll actually be possible to renew things every five years. Yeah. Yeah. You really think five yeah. years is, is enough? I was thinking maybe like 20. 20 seems way too many. Yeah, 20 is a lot of years. Uh, put it this way. Do you really want there to be 20 years between the passage of the Patriot Act and it getting reconsidered whether or not it was a good idea? Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, five years is good because it's like the next president will be in office. Yeah. Um, so it's like a whole different situation. to be like, okay, what yeah. does this regime think about it? I also am a fan of uh, the uh, legislative structure that, um, uh, what's his name, uh, the science fiction writer guy. Uh, Ron Hubbard? No, the <laughs> one who wrote a moon, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Oh, oh uh, Philip K. Dick. 
No, no, that's no. Heinlein. Oh, Heinlein. <laughs> yeah, Heinlein. Yeah, Heinlein. Uh, that he proposed in The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, where you have one chamber of a legislature which only repeals stuff, and they can do it with a one-third plurality, and then God. another chamber that only passes stuff, and they need a two-thirds majority. See, but aren't you the one that's always saying that the worst bipartisan laws are the worst laws? Uh, yes, but even bipartisan laws usually don't make it to two-thirds. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, so, that sounds like uh, a government just, just wouldn't do anything. Yes. <laughs> that oh, is okay. what David's going for. <laughs> All right. Uh, although this... Uh, you the, have said it. <laughs> yeah, although that uh, sexual harassment arbitration law passed uh, with way more than two-thirds. Yeah, there so, you, you go. So, you know, they still be able to do a few things. Uh, all right. And, David, you have a story for us about the season finale of sports. Yes. Um, the Olympics happened, and no one cared. Uh, it had terrible ratings. Uh, CNN lost huge piles of money on their uh, exclusive broadcasting deal. Womp, um, womp. It was also just like a really bad games um the olympic village was shoddily constructed several athletes rooms flooded uh the food was absolutely disgusting um some people say that the food was disgusting on purpose as a way to sabotage foreign athletes more on that later so that's really uh, sad because chinese food is so delicious yeah um Although, uh, the regional cuisine of Beijing is not particularly good. Um, uh, even when it's not, you know, polluted. Uh, yeah, uh, journalists were kept away from anything interesting, including many of the athletes in the name of COVID security. Uh, athletes were required to install spyware on their phones to make sure they didn't shit-talk the Chinese government on social media. Um... Uh, there were also several incidents where they tried to um, shit-talk the Chinese government on the podium uh, during their, like, acceptance speech of the medals, and the Chinese government uh, edited the rules saying no talking politics on the podium. Uh, I remember them warning about that. Yeah. That um, issuing a thing being like, nobody better talk politics. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh... A few Chinese-American athletes gave up their American citizenship to compete for China, uh, including a figure skater who fell, uh, who fell on the ice, came in dead last, and was eviscerated on Chinese social media. Oh, man. And a snowboarder who did quite well uh, then uh, told the media uh, that the Great Firewall is no big deal because you can just install a VPN, which oh, will boy. get you disappeared in China if you're not a celebrity with an international following. And then she was eviscerated on Chinese social media. Um, cool. Yeah. Cool, China. Yep. Uh, there was also a bunch of cheating uh, enabled by Chinese judges, and, like, you can just watch the broadcast, and if you pay close attention, you can, like, watch the speed skaters shoving each other, and the judges, like, watching them shove uh, other speed skaters and not calling foul. Um... This is probably a uh, last attempt by the Xi Jinping regime to uh, maintain par power at the CCP Party Congress in October without bloodshed. Uh, it did not go well. Uh, for some reason, um, 
China puts a lot of emphasis on the Olympics as a like big um, source of national pride. Yeah, and it it was actually his management of the uh, 2008 Olympics that um, got G the political support to get into office in the first place. Uh, so yeah, I would look for a palace coup, preemptive crackdown, or war with Taiwan in, uh, Q3 this year to try to drum up some last minute, uh, lack of opposition. All right. Now what makes you think she is in trouble? Uh, or like was in trouble before the Olympics? Uh, because COVID and some other, um, Oh yeah. I guess uh, that Evergrande bankruptcy, right? That was, yeah. yeah, that's probably going to totally... Is that... you? Do you know anything more about that? Like, has that been totally fucking up their economy? Uh, it's hard to say from the outside. It looks like they're just continuing to try to patch things up and pump up the bubble some more, uh, which... Yay! Using <laughs> macro policy to try to prevent uh, collapses like California forest management. So, yeah, that's probably not going to work. All right. Uh, so I feel like that uh, economic union where uh, China and Russia <laughs> join a join a big partnership and seal themselves off from the rest of the world is uh, probably not going to go that well. Then. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, it's kind of like someone dying of dementia partnering up with someone dying of cancer to uh, do something. <laughs> Future stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not recommended. All right. Um, next story is uh, so it relates to the uh, the January sixth commission, um, and I'm just going to link to a uh, an episode of the opening arguments podcast we've mentioned here before. Um, Andrew Torres is the one of the hosts of that, and he is he thinks that Trump might actually go to jail over this, which is interesting. Uh, and basically, it, you know, go listen to the episode if you want the long story, but the short story is that they got some documents which show pretty conclusively that Trump's lawyer um, illegally tried to overturn the election. Um, Now, everyone knows Trump was trying to overturn the election, but what these documents show is that he was aware that what he was doing was illegal, um, and that's that's one of the elements that they were worried they wouldn't be able to prove. Hmm. Um, Trump still could wiggle out of it if his lawyer takes the fall for him, um, but there's not really a huge incentive for him to do that. You know, if he can, if he can flip on Trump and cause, cause the evidence is that Eastman knew about it and Eastman would have to say like, Oh no, well, you know, I never told my client that this was illegal, uh, or informed him in any way of like what obviously I knew of. Um, you know, Trump does have a way of wiggling out of these things. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past him that, uh, he finds a way to get Eastman to, fall on his sword uh but the odds are higher than it used to be that trump's actually going to get in trouble over this you know another reason i'm not super uh confident about it is just because you know trump definitely violated election law when he called up the uh georgia guy and was like hey find me more votes yeah uh there's really no question about that they have the tape and for some reason he's not getting prosecuted for that so i i just feel like there's there's a lot of institutional barriers to actually 
seeing him face any consequences, but you know, here's hoping. There's a shot. Yeah. Uh, next stories are, we got two Idaho stories. The Idaho house is uh, apparently just like on a tear against trans people. Fucking insane in yeah. the Idaho house. Yeah, it's going nuts. Um, so the first thing they did was they amended a law. They made it a felony to do female genital mutilation. Yeah. Uh, which it started it, out a good law. Yeah. So it was like, if you don't know, female genital mutilation is a mostly religious practice where they basically just cut off a uh, baby girl's clitoris so she doesn't enjoy sex ever because that would be bad. Um, and it's horrible. And um, they said they had a law making it a felony to do that to a kid. And they amended it to be like, also, this includes um, gender affirming care for transgender people. Uh, Those are similar. Yeah. (laughs) Super fucked up. Um, And I I read the bill and I can't, there's part of it I can't parse. So it definitely outlaws surgery. Um, So you can't get gender affirming surgery. It also specifically calls out hormones and puberty blockers as things that are illegal under the law. But then it has a clause about how if you have a doctor's note, you know, if you're doing it, uh, you know, if it's necessary to the health of the patient and it's performed by a licensed doctor, then it's not a violation. Um, But then there's an exception to the exception that says, uh, but anything that that, um, impairs and mutilates the genitals of a child is never necessary to their health. It was absolutely like I read it. And at first I was like, oh, okay, this is a a bill against female gender mutilation. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's not. It's against trans people. Oh, but there's an exception that says, you know, if uh, if a professional says that, yeah, you're really trans, you need this, then you can go forward. And then it was like, no, no one is ever really trans. No one ever really needs any of this uh, because we have deemed it to be so. It's just a bug fuck crazy bill. And like the puberty blockers especially like if you're going to force people to go to some therapy for some level of time to make sure you know they're actually gender dysphoric or whatever at least fucking give them puberty blockers so they don't keep going through the puberty the wrong puberty if they can avoid that and that would be like the goal state in my opinion and they're like no not not even any puberty blockers you're just fucked yeah and i think i mean Okay. I, not that not this is being done in good faith at all but i think people don't understand that like going through puberty is like the biggest thing for trans people because that's when your body starts changing to resemble it one gender or the other. So like if you've gone through the puberty that doesn't correspond with your gender, like you can never really get the body you wanted. Um, and you can do, you can take hormones and get surgery and it can, it can approximate it, but it's like just way easier if you can start earlier. I don't completely agree. I think there's some people that are just insanely lucky. They have, you know, genetics. They, they're really a feminine boy or really masculine girl. Sure, and that with, happens. It, yeah, with enough uh, hormone replacement therapy and surgery, you can get to the point where everyone would think you're just natally that sex. But yeah, yeah. it's rare to be that lucky. But with for most people, yeah, it has to happen before you actually go through the whole puberty. Yeah. Okay, I, I get the impression this might be a somewhat unpopular take. I'm kind of okay with this, because, like, my understanding is that of people who detransition, the overwhelming majority are people who, um, who transitioned, uh, in early childhood. 
and like I I'm just not convinced that the that the science is adequately settled that prepubescent transit uh transition is and that's science in the like actual stuff we know sense not the the uh trust hashtag trust the science sense i'm not convinced it's like that the state of the evidence is such that we can unequivocally say that uh gender affirming surgery i gender affirming surgery for uh minors i think is pretty conclusively not a great thing uh even hormones and puberty blockers i think there's some uh some alarming evidence that about long-term effects uh yes you don't want to be long-term on puberty blockers uh no i just mean like even uh even the long-term effects of being on them for a short amount of time um Ah. so yeah like obviously this is um just like culture warring and trying to hurt members of the out group but i think like i think that if there was actually a uh a good faith effort to come up with the actual best policy given the state of the evidence it would not necessarily look too terribly different from this all right david i disagree i think you are against this and i'm going to explain to you why okay first of all it creates a new felony which is always bad correct Second of all, the fact that something's unsettled means the state should stay out of it. Also correct. <laughs> if if the, the I agree that the science is somewhat unsettled in this area. Um, but in that case, I don't want the state making any rules about it. I want to empower, you know, children and their parents to make these decisions for themselves. Um, I don't want the state saying, well, yes, the child wants this. The parents want this for the child. The doctors all want this. But, you know, we don't. You know, it's that Jesus, isn't there someone you forgot to ask meme? Mm. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm. I'm convinced. <laughs> um, You're right. In terms of, like, whether parents should do this, I don't know. In, like, in terms of whether parents should give their kids hormones, I don't know. Um, I, I do know that the D-trans rate is pretty small. Um, I actually looked around earlier this week to try to find reliable numbers, and there aren't any. But it's, like, definitely below 10%. Um, and I think that there's not um, a lot... Like, the harm done to cis people who transition, um, who mistakenly think they're trans, you know, I don't see any good argument that the harm done to them is worse than the harm done to trans people who can't transition. Um they both, you know, both people end up in a body that's not comfortable for them that they didn't want. Uh, and I don't see why one would be worse than the other. Uh, and I don't think that there's any way allowing trans kids to get um, hormones. You know, I think I think it's I think it's reasonable to delay surgery. But in terms of hormones, which is what's important to get in early, I don't think that there's any principled reason to think that the harm done by allowing them would somehow outweigh um the harm done by disallowing them yeah i i'm not entirely convinced on that uh last point but i'm not unconvinced either um i just haven't looked into it extensively enough to have a solid opinion there but yes, yeah it's not now, like reliable yes, data. now that now that i think about it i do agree that um 
uh, this is not something that governments should have opinions on. <laughs> All right. I, yeah, I, I want to throw in that I felt or feel as strongly on this as I do because specifically I thought the um, the facts are opposite of what you think uh, they are or that uh, most of the detrans people are actually not childhood. They're the post-pubescent people. And I thought that having um, puberty blockers just for a few months doesn't really have much long-term effects. Uh, but I could be wrong on both of those. Uh, the puberty blockers should probably be a little easier to find some data on. Um, the detrans rate is, like Wes said, incredibly fucking hard to find out right now. Uh, but yeah, in general, I don't think government should be getting involved in this level either, uh, even if there is harm done. Yeah. The, so the data, like I said, is not easy to get. Um, I've looked for data on long-term effects of puberty blockers. Um, all I've been able to find is there's like some connection to bone density issues. Um, but even that is questionable. Um, and I think there just hasn't been enough study done. Um, on the D-trans rate... Um, I mean, they do surveys, and survey data is unreliable as any survey data is, but it's the best we've got. And what it suggests is that the D-trans rate is very low, something like 2% or less. Um, and also, most people who D-trans never actually took uh, hormones. It's more that they I, socially transition, they they don't like it, and then they, they undo it. I think the D-trans rate is going to be significantly higher in the coming years. But That's that's yeah, something we'll I'll get see. into more later. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll wait we'll wait for your uh, your troop deployment on that. Um, and it is tough because yeah, the trans rate has more than doubled recently. So you know the long term data we have is not going to be that reliable. Um, but anyway, I'm glad we all agree that this law sucks, and Idaho should uh, get their heads out of their asses. The other thing that Idaho is doing, um, and Enia, should you add this one? Uh, yes. All right, tell us what else Idaho's doing. Uh, Idaho also passed a law, or the House only. It has not gone through the Senate yet. But the House passed a law removing an exemption that protects libraries, schools, museums, colleges, and universities from disseminating material that is harmful to minors. Which, first of all, I, I don't think there should be a ban on that in general, because they're talking about, like, reading material. Uh, that's a stupid censorship law, and I hate censorship. But there used to be an exemption for, you know, library schools, etc. Uh, the law removes that exception, and uh, the only books mentioned by the people that were passing this law were about uh, gay rights. So, specifically using it as a, tri a uh, you know, let's get the news that gay people exist out of public circulation. That sure seems bad. Well, you know me, I'm always in favor of a good book banning. <laughs> um, no, this is this is dumb. And hopefully this is just grandstanding and they're not actually going to pass this. But I've thought that about a few laws recently and that has not turned out to be the case. So uh, we'll see. Well, I mean, fortunately, the previous law we were talking about is also one that has only passed the House so far. Has not passed the Senate yet. Oh, good. All right. Well, hopefully it doesn't. Yeah. All right. Uh, next story, and I swear this is our last one before we get to happy news. Um, Eniash, this one's from you about Missouri being shitheads. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the, that region of the country right now. Oh, actually, Missouri is near Idaho, right? No, they are on opposite mm. sides of the country. What? They are not. Idaho is in the Midwest. Missouri is in the Southeast. Okay, you are. You need to look at a map. Missouri is in the Midwest. Idaho is in the Northwest. Wait. Yeah, I do need to. Missouri look at a map. is like the exact center of the country. 
Idaho is up next I to Montana. I was getting Missouri confused with Mississippi. Those are different places. Oh, oh. yeah. So the Idaho and Mississippi are kind of on the opposite ends. Okay, yeah. I mean, they're still pretty far apart, but yeah, I, I, yeah, was, not I was making making an oopsie there. The there is a Missouri House representative, Liz, Mary Elizabeth Col- Coleman, uh, who this actually hasn't passed the House yet, so maybe it won't. But uh, she's introduced this bill at least, or a provision to a bill that would basically make it a felony to cross the Missouri state lines to help someone obtain an abortion out of state. Uh, it it doesn't literally make the government enforce this law. It does the same thing that Texas did, where it allows private citizens to sue anybody who helps anybody who uh, went out of state to get an abortion. I just... I, I, I know I've written about this before, but I think abortion rights are the most important rights to a modern functioning civilization, and this sort of thing is trying to destroy a modern civilization from from its foundations. So uh, I am very much against this, far more than I'm against censorship bills, um, even though I'm against those as well. And I, I I just hope this doesn't go anywhere, like literally trying to make it a crime to, to leave the state to get an abortion. I mean, I realize there's precedent for, precedent for this, where it's a crime to cross state lines to have sex with someone where it's legal to have sex with them in a different state. And that's a weird law, too, in my opinion. But Well, so those laws are federal laws. And the reason they're, they're worded that way is because the federal government doesn't have jurisdiction to prosecute anything that happens in a single state. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unless it has an effect on interstate commerce, of course. So, yeah. Which everything does, apparently. Yeah, everything does. Um, but yeah, they, they specifically put it that way to give themselves jurisdiction. This is a state law, um, which it is que- of questionable constitutionality, whether a state <laughs> can prohibit something that happens in another state. And I think what they're trying to do is to say, like, okay, well, the intent forms in this state and the first actions toward committing this occur in this state so we can make it illegal here. Um, but I'd be, I'll be interested to see what the legal challenges to this are like if it passes. Yeah, I mean, it seems like there's just no way that you could, like, obviously people could send stupid emails, which people do all the time. But failing that, you could just say, like, you know, I didn't leave the state to get an abortion. I was just going to visit my Aunt Agnes in New York and just, you know, while I was there, on impulse, decided to get an abortion. I mean, sure, you could say that, but can you convince a jury of that? Probably not a jury in Missouri. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but to Eniash's point, like, I completely agree. The overturning Roe v. Wade and having abortion, you know, banned effectively in half the states is bad, but it's not that bad because you still have all the other states where you can just go get an abortion. Um, things like this ruin that because then you just can't you just can't do it. Yeah. Um, which is you know you're just locked into reproductive slavery. Yeah. Very very bad. Um, people should stop trying to do this. Uh, so hopefully this doesn't pass, and hopefully if it does pass, it gets overturned. Um, because I'm pretty sure. Uh, Roe v. Wade is not long for this world, as we've discussed before. All right. Well, enough about depressing shit. It's time for happy news. Good news, everyone. And for happy news this week, we have one story, and it's that it is COVID Independence Day. Woo! As we said, as we said earlier, we're we're recording on Pi Day, so that means COVID Independence Day was yesterday. So everyone. Who's listening to this? You are now independent of COVID, uh, you know, assuming you live in the United States. Other countries, you know, you got your own thing going on. 
Um, but at least in the U.S. and a lot of Europe, I think, it is now reasonable to stop worrying about COVID, stop wearing masks, stop basically doing anything that, you know, you wouldn't, you don't wish you were doing in 2019. Yeah. Um, I know I said before the things I am, uh, I would like to keep. There are a few of them, including the part where we all stay home if we're sick. That's nice. We should keep doing that. Um... But yeah, basically anything anything lockdown related, I would say now is the time. We don't have to do it anymore. Um, and I'm throwing a party at my house this Saturday that David's coming to, and we're all gonna breathe on each other. Yes, <laughs> uh, there is going to be a fire for mass burning. Yes, we're not burning things. I don't, I don't, I don't like the whole burning as a symbolic gesture. I feel like the Nazis ruined it. It's not necessarily um, something I would associate with the Nazis, but fair, I guess. I just see every time I think about symbolic burnings, I think about book burnings. Um, yeah, I mean, like, sure, but not the top of the list of bad things Nazis did. Sure, but still, still bad. Uh, I, maybe I'll start I thinking of bra burnings. I don't disagree. I just don't. Uh, I just don't really associate it to Nazis. All right, fair enough. Um, but probably no symbolic burnings. Okay, that's a shame. I'll but, you just, know, maybe. I'll just do my symbolic burnings before I leave. <laughs> right. I mean, if you want to do it, we do have a fire pit. Uh, all right. Um, other happy news here is that um, Biden announced a what's called a test treat plan for COVID going forward, which is just awesome. And what it is is that if you go to a pharmacy and you test positive for COVID, they just hand you Paxlovid. And say, here, take this. It will cure your COVID. Um, assuming the funding comes through, like we were talking about earlier, um, this is a great plan. And I'm very happy that this is what they're doing. A plus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, just want to quote that tweet that's going around of the guy saying, um, rationalist bringing up a, uh, a weird, obscure policy proposal uh, as a demonstration of something that'll obviously never get done to uh, illustrate the inadequacies of current institutions and then current institutions do the thing is my favorite semi-recurring plot point. And was that a Yud? Was that a Yud tweet? Uh, no, it wasn't else. a Yud, but it was someone. Oh, I think he retweeted it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, this is one of those. Good job. Stop Stop dithering about funding it, Republicans. Yep. Um, the semi-bad news is that the CDC, predictably, is foot-dragging on this. These fucking um, assholes. And, and has decided to keep <laughs> their public transit rules for masking and distancing in for another month. Um, they were supposed to expire, I think, on the 18th. Uh, but they were like, no, no, we're going to do it for another month to, you know, give us time to figure out new rules. Motherfuckers. Yeah. Have they not been told about COVID victory over COVID day? But no. No, no Eniage. Here's why this is really good news. Why is that? It's because, as we've discussed earlier, going back to normal means ignoring the CDC. Oh, yeah. You remember remember how they, <laughs> they uh, the CDC says you should eat all your steak well done? CDC also says that uh, reproductive age women shouldn't drink if they're having sex. That's right. Regardless of whether they're on birth control or not. Well, you, you probably shouldn't drink while you're having sex. That just sounds like <laughs> a uh, good way to waste some liquor. But uh, hey, it sometimes works. Yeah, that's true. Um, just just make sure you know what you're doing. Uh, 
Yeah, have your, have your consent discussion before all the drinking. Yes, quite. But yes, this is just another, an easy way to practice ignoring the CDC. Okay, so question. Can I get on a public flight without having to put a mask over my face? No. Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> but you can, you, can uh, you know, do it and see how you, if they yell at you. Yeah, they've been pretty good about yelling at me in the past. Um, just want to take this time to remind people that there have been more, uh, confirmed cases of COVID spread in operating theaters than there have been in public airplanes. They're literally the optimal design for packing a bunch of people into a confined space and then not spreading COVID. Oh yeah. Cause you got the airflow that just comes from your head to your feet. Yes. Uh, it's, yeah, it's really it's really perfect for not spreading COVID. And yet, oh, well. All right, so that's our happy news. Now we're moving on to troop deployments. I'm willing to put wave after wave of men at your disposal. As we all know, politics is the mind killer and arguments are soldiers. So in that spirit, we ask each of our hosts to send a soldier out onto the battlefield every episode. And we'll start with David. Uh, in honor of Victory Over COVID Day, I am declining to deploy troops. No troops are crossing borders. Uh, the <laughs> guns are laid down. Uh, so I'm just going to make a public service announcement that with the code March 50, you can get half off a year of Code Academy Pro. Uh, which gets you access to a bunch of their really fun advanced uh, courses and some, like, official certificates. Uh, so if, like me, you have recently lied on a resume and want to get enough skills that you can bullshit your way through an interview uh, in order to learn on the job, as most learning happens, um, it's a good time to get signed up for Code Academy. All right. Thank you, David. Eniash, what have you got for us? Uh, I wrote a whole Victory Over COVID-19 Day post, which I was going to read, but then something else came up to preempt that. So I'm going to go with that instead, because we were talking about this just a little bit earlier. Uh, but the uh, the day before Victory Over COVID Day was uh, a D-Trans Awareness Day, which I had just recently heard about, which apparently has some controversy about it. So uh, I vaguely remember the 80s. I was alive during them, even though I was extremely young. But I do remember that in the 80s, uh, the only gays were perverts. They were like the people that hung around in uh, playgrounds and preyed on young boys. And obviously that is not actually the case, but that is what the public thought. And, uh, and that was a problem because you couldn't come out as a regular gay person without everyone being like, oh my God, you're one of those perverts. And one of the effects of the massive outings that happened in the 90s, despite the fact that I do not support um, involuntary outing of people, was that it had a huge effect on the popular conception of gayness. Because suddenly it wasn't just freak perverts, it was your daughter or your brother, and you know those people, and you know that they're good people. They're, they're not out diddling kids, uh, which is really exactly what awareness days were made for. They were like, all the people that you thought were like this, they're, they're not just like that. There's a lot of people like this across a, a large spectrum. Which brings me to the trans awareness day. Because uh, there are a lot of anti-trans bigots out there, as I'm sure everybody is aware. And when I mentioned that D-Trans Awareness Day exists, it was pointed out to me that attempting to raise awareness of D-Trans people is really convenient to anti-trans bigots and probably anti-trans organizations. And a friend in particular said that he believed probably like 90% of the people talking about D-Trans are hardcore anti-trans bigots, which... Uh, it was you know, me. I was the friend. 
it was you, yes. Which I was certainly like, oh, shit, that sucks because I don't want to be associated with those people. But, like, how the fuck do you raise awareness without being associated with those people? Similarly to how the fuck does a gay person come out in the 80s without being associated with the perverts? Uh, Wes did Google D-Trans Awareness Day. And on the first page found uh, as the supporters of D-Trans Awareness Day, two legit groups started and run by D-Trans, D-trans people. Uh, one explicit anti-trans bigotry group, one anti-trans YouTuber, one Christian group who we can um, probably assume is anti-trans and a gay and lesbian group which was kind of sketch on the issue Uh, i think they would probably be on the leaning towards anti-trans at the very least so a majority anti-trans people uh but still two legit groups of you know actual anti-trans people trying to bring awareness to them and i i i thought about this for a while i think actually that awareness this sort of awareness day is good even though in general they are greatly overdone nowadays but like what i met a d-trans person a few years ago and we've fallen out of contact i haven't you know talked with them in a long time but at the time i did not know this was a thing i thought they were the only d-trans person that existed and i was like oh wow that is so weird and you know they were basically fine with their lives they weren't too upset or anything uh we uh since then i've come to know a number of others there's at least one on our discord uh occasionally comments mostly lurks though uh but you know they're both cool people and the thing is like trans support groups are from what i've uh gathered by talking to my trans friends are extremely close-knit groups and strongly supporting of each other they're a lot like the gay groups were in the late 80s where this was just like it the world hates us we have to unite against them you have almost kind of a found family when you join them but uh you know some people don't have extensive social safety nets outside of these sorts of groups and if you realize you aren't happy as a trans person and you don't have a larger support network, it could be absolutely fucking terrifying to try to come out as D-trans and feel like you risk being disowned by your closest friends and only serious support. And I, I bring all this up because like our audience is probably mostly rational sphere people and we are the weirdos who try new things and we experiment wildly and often with ourselves. And we do have a significantly higher percentage uh of trans people in our community than than the general public and we should be proud of that uh but also a large part of us because of this are also on the autism spectrum because of the rationalism um adjacency thing and don't have vast social networks and if they detrans they may fear losing a lot of their friends and support and i think that they should know that we will all still support them and will not ostracize them or belittle them and that they, they should know they have support from trans-friendly people, not just the hardcore anti-trans bigots. We don't want to drive them into the darkness with this. Uh, they're still our friends, even if they aren't trans. And for that reason, I do support D-Trans Awareness Day. All right. Thank you, Eni Ash. Um, and my trip deployment is that The Mind Killer is the best podcast. Yay! As we announced earlier, this is our 52nd episode, which means we've been doing this for two years and to mark the occasion, I've put together a list of reasons why The Mind Killer is the best news podcast. Now, reason number one is that we release every two weeks. We live in a world of 24-hour news networks, constant tweeting, and news cycles that are measured in hours. Predictably, this leads to a lot of stupid shit getting covered because there's a lot of time to fill. At The Mind Killer, we do things a bit slower. By releasing every two weeks, we can choose to cover only the stories we think actually matter. If we were a daily or weekly show... There would be much more pressure to find stuff to talk about, and we'd inevitably end up covering a bunch of stories that make your life worse for hearing them. Reason number two is we approach things from a Bayesian perspective, which means we are mindful about things like base rates, regression to the mean, and probabilities. You'll notice that a lot of our stories end with some variation of it probably won't change that much, because honestly, most things don't change much. Contrast this with the breathless coverage you see elsewhere constantly claiming that everything is a game changer. It gets much worse around election season. 
We largely avoid that because we try to stay aware of how often things actually change. And reason number three is we have a great environment. Now, it's no secret that most journalists live in a cesspool. They're on Twitter all day, they go to parties with politicians, and most of their friends are other journalists. When you remember that, it's easy to see how most failures of journalism happen. By contrast, we have a community of contrarians who doubt everything and demand reliable evidence before accepting anything. Often that means we can't speak authoritatively because the evidence just isn't there, but I'll take that any day to confidently reporting so-called facts that are mostly just speculation or something some politician said. Reason number four, we have the best hosts. No further explanation needed. We also have Inyash. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Wow! Uh. Oh, it's brutal, dude. all right and on that note that's the end of our show uh please follow us wherever you follow podcasts leave us reviews they could be good or bad we don't care um subscribe to us on substack to get episodes early get bonus episodes and access to our subscriber only discord channel and come back in two weeks uh same rat time same rat channel and uh, Eniash, we were just kidding. We love you. You're yes. the best. Oh, I know. Yes, I, I'm sorry. That was mean. <laughs> no, no, right. it was it was a good joke. It was great setup. <laughs> okay, great delivery. Good. All right, all right. Bye, everyone. Bye, bye.